What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Birdie, the business freelance writer here today. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to raise your authority. How do you become the go-to person in your industry where people see you and they say, I need that person's product. I need that person's service. How do we become that go-to person and raise our authority. We'll talk about that in this episode today. Our guest who joins us, she is the CEO of Entire Productions, which has been an Inc. 5000 company, one of the fastest growing in America for three years in a row. Our guest has studied entrepreneurship at Harvard Business School and MIT. She currently resides in San Francisco, where she's on the regional board of San Francisco's entrepreneurs organization. Our guest has done quite a lot of things and she's got a rapidly growing company, a lot of authority, and she is none other than Natasha Miller. Natasha, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thank you. Natasha, it is great to have you on Breakthrough Success and we could all use some extra authority in the sense where we become that go-to person in our industry and being able to start a company, being able to grow it into Inc. 5000, it takes a lot of work to achieve a milestone like that. I'm wondering if you could share with us a little bit of your entrepreneurial journey and how you went from new company to Inc. 5000 three years in a row. I became uh, one of the fastest growing companies in America somewhat on accident. 20 years ago, I started this company. It's an event and entertainment production company. And we do big events for Google and Apple and LinkedIn and big tech companies like that in the Bay Area mostly. And I wasn't really looking to scale and grow my business. However, I created systems and processes and a foundation in which to grow on, not with scaling and growing in mind, but with getting things done the right way in mind. And it just happened to be able to balloon. So uh, the moment I stepped foot in the Goldman Sachs 10K small businesses program, and then eventually uh, entrepreneurial master's program at Harvard and MIT through EO, my business really started growing by 65% a year. So I took that learning and I laid it on top of the systems and processes that I built And that's where the magic happened. I mean, there's so many things that we know, but there are also so many things that we don't know. And getting those extra insights can really make a big difference. And one of the things that also makes a difference is how are you building your brand? I know that, I mean, Natasha mentioned that a lot of these big corporations, they're willing to invest so much money into events and events, you could do them in person, you could do them virtually. Events are a lot more accessible. I've done a few virtual summits myself. I'm wondering, Natasha, for someone who maybe doesn't know too much about starting an event or making that happen to boost their authority, what are some quick tips you could provide for people who are thinking that way? So the events we do for our clients, you know, they have big budgets and they have a lot of people that they're trying to impress. But as an entrepreneur, you can create your own events. And in fact, I can use two uh, to talk about today that I am planning for my book launch. And they're really important. So they do so many things. They raise your authority. They get people sticky and interested in, in being in your aura and in your world. So I'm doing a book launch summit in the metaverse 
on March 22nd. And so you just heard a buzzword, right? Metaverse. So I'm not doing a Zoom thing. I'm not doing a Google Meet. I'm not doing what is typical. I'm doing something really out there. We're going to have two completely different venues all kitted out, all designed, lots of um, branding and logos and, and sponsor the ability for the sponsors to be seen. And we're doing it in this new uh, platform that's going to draw people in more than, oh, this is a virtual summit on Zoom. So you have to think um, definitely outside of the box for a lack of better terms. And then the second thing that we're doing, which is a little over the top, I understand, but for uh, the in-person book launch, we're doing a big red, red carpet gala at the San Francisco MoMA so I've rented out the theater and the atrium and only 270 people can come because that's the capacity of the theater. We're going to have a champagne reception after I do some reading of my excerpts and it's actually a performance-based book launch party because I'm a musician. I'm a classically trained violinist and jazz vocalist. So you can imagine those are two really big events that are going to help raise my authority even further, get people excited about me, about being uh, in the metaverse or in person finally. They'll buy my book. If they don't buy my book, they're going to hear about it and know about it. They're probably going to talk to people about it. So it's got all of these directional arrows and some of which I don't even know. And that's the exciting part is you never know what's going to happen. And one other thing, the very most important thing about doing these kind of things is getting sponsors in kind and financial. For instance, the San Francisco Magazine, which is a very, it's modern luxuries brand, they are sponsoring this event. And I have a full page ad that they're sponsoring. They're writing about me in the, in the magazine. They're doing social media. Now, had we just asked them to add us to their calendar, they would have done that. But I asked for more and I got more than I asked for. So I really think experiential marketing, which this is, events are experiential marketing, is crucial to elevating your brand and getting your name out there. I mean, when you are speaking on a stage or you're at an event, there is something different about a person-to-person -person interaction. Like email, that you're communicating with people, that's good. Being on the phone is a little bit better because you're able to dialogue, but shaking hands with someone, being able to see someone face-to-face. -face. Uh, a lot of speakers, they'll sell on the stage and you've got attendees who they didn't know the speaker an hour ago and now they're trying to buy their book or trying to buy their service. Uh, there's a lot of synergy you could create at an event that's just different from other marketing strategies. Right. I'm wondering if we could go a little bit into what you're doing with your event with the metaverse, because mm -hmm. people think of like crypto, NFT, and then they hear metaverse. Yes. My uh -huh. prediction of it, like just, I'm, I'm really eager to hear your thoughts, but I just want to lay out what I'm thinking beforehand. I think you got a lot of a wild west out there where you've got mm -hmm. some people doing stuff they definitely shouldn't be doing, but the mm -hmm. fundamental technology has a lot of potential. That's the way that I see it right now. Absolutely. But I would love to hear how you're using the metaverse because I've just been using Zoom for my summits and metaverse just sounds like something interesting that I do not know as much of as I should. Yes. And actually I have a virtual office in the metaverse 
um, that I can show you after this interview. And if anyone's interested in it, they can contact me. And instead of meeting on Zoom, we can meet in my virtual office. It's all completely designed and it's really cool. So the platform I'm using is from another sponsor. And that sponsor's name is All Seated. That's the parent company. And their platform is called Xvo. And it's as close as you can come to being at an in-person event, but being behind your screen. So we'll have two different venues. And one of the venues is a rooftop bar in Mexico. So when you sign in and you get beamed up through the teleporter into this event, you're going to find yourself on a rooftop with all these other people that are joining this event. You can walk around from booth to booth, talk to people one-on-one. -on -one. You can also talk in a group as big as 17 people at a time. So you know when you're at a conference, you sometimes huddle up and you've got a conversation going. You can do that there. You can present there. We're going to have interactive activities, um, sketch artists, a photo booth, everything that you would have except for the food and drink, although you could ship that ahead to all of your attendees. And the second room is a VIP for the um, VIP members and the media only. And that's a New York venue, which will have a whole different look and feel. And we'll do some special, not in general admission things uh, for those VIPs and media. So I would really, you know, encourage people to go to All Seated Expo. Now, the, the value of the, re the retail value of these events is north of $30,000. So it's not very attainable for individuals, it's attainable for big companies, but the room I have, for instance, my office room, I think it's about retail is 8,000 a year. That's a little more accessible. It's still a lot, but imagine you presenting to clients in a room that is totally decked out just for you and, and what elevates, you know, that will elevate you even more and it might lead to more business, a higher ticket price. So I think it's worth it. We'll definitely have, if you want to contact Natasha about that, see what the metaverse looks like. If you're someone who you've heard it, you don't know what it is yet. And you're <laughs> curious about the opportunity, definitely reach out to Natasha. We will have that in the show notes. There are a lot of different ways to build your credibility. I mean, you already inked 5,003 times. So you just have that and like people recognize that you know what you're doing. You've got a pretty solid company. Why then, even after that success, do you see writing a book as a way to build your authority even more? Writing a book wasn't what I was going to do to build authority necessarily when I started. My book is a memoir, more of a business memoir. And although it will shine a light on my core business entire productions quite a bit. And my current clients and potential prospective clients may hear about it, may read it. It's really not to build that part of the business up. I do think it will have a, a positive um, effect on that business. I wanted to get my story out for other reasons, but also I'm building other businesses around the book. For instance, I'm going to be teaching people how to write their own story or memoir, publish it, and market it. It's a slog. It is so much work. But I have created a system. And in fact, uh, where did it go? 
I have a book. Oh, here it is. That um, a workbook that I created to go along with the whole process. So it makes it fun to do. And then I'm also teaching entrepreneurs to scale and grow their businesses by 50% or more. So did I write the book to elevate uh, my stature in the world for entire productions? No. Will it do that? Absolutely. So it's filling all these other voids in my life. One of my favorite things about writing books is there's just so many different angles you can take not just like, what do I write about? But what is that next step? Do you lead people to a course? Do you lead people to a service? Do you lead people to consultations? You could start, you could build an entire business around Absolutely. a book if you frame it properly and you know what you're doing. And if you are writing a book, it's really good to think about what do I want the reader to do after they have finished reading the book instead mm -hmm. of just thinking about the book. You're absolutely right. And in the back of the book, there are, I think, six sales pages that show you my podcast, Fascinating Entrepreneurs, that shows you the Memoir Sherpa course, that shows you scaling beyond your first million, that shows you everything that I have to offer. So, and they're beautifully designed. So it's not just text, right? We're pulling on all the heartstrings, graphic, copy, and um, we also have some QR codes in the, in the book that funnel you to places that I want you to go at, at a certain time. QR codes. I like that a lot. There was a, um, uh, this will probably get published after, well after Super Bowl, but uh, there was like a Super Bowl commercial where it was just a QR code moving around the screen, no context, anything like that. And a lot of QR codes have been floating around. That is a really great opportunity to incorporate how, like what, software or resource do you use to create the QR codes? Because I think that's something more people should do. Yes. So um, I'd have to, if you want to know about that, you need to email me because it's not going to come up to top of mind. I built a team uh, that is doing all of the marketing. I created a 25 point marketing plan and then I had to hire a small army to do that. So they chose a QR code software. And I do know this though, we're using the free version not the paid version, which is quite expensive, and but it has some good data, and we may move over to that. So I think we can go back and retroactively retroactively catch that data. So there's a lot of free QR codes out there, and then there's others that track metrics. We'll have that in the show notes. We'll figure it out so you guys know what QR resource you're talking about because. I've just been seeing that a lot more like I'm a marathoner. So like on the bibs, they've been doing more QR codes where like if someone takes a picture of that, you're able to track the runner. There's so yeah. many different possibilities with QR codes. Just another way to build your authority. Uh, we talked about your entrepreneurial journey a little bit so far and how learning was a big part of your success. And Learning for everybody is going to be a big part of your success because there are things you don't know that would be good for you to know. But at the same time, there are better ways to learn than others. So Natasha, I'm wondering uh, if you could just share with us some of the ways that the learning helped you. You mentioned 65% revenue mm -hmm. growth by surrounding yourself with those right people. What advice would you have for someone who's trying to learn how to grow the business 
and maybe they're scrambling through like free content online. They're thinking about books. They're thinking about courses. Like what advice do you have for them? I think you need to do your due diligence in making sure that the person that you're asking to be your advisor or your mentor or the course you may take or the blogs that you're reading really have really good advice, but more than advice, it's better to take um, the word of someone who's gone through it, their experience. So I could say to you, you know what? I advise you to, but never have done it myself. And then how the heck do you know? Really? I don't even know from experience what I'm telling you. But if I said to you, you know what? I did this and this happened. And so if I had to do it again, I'd do it this way. Now you have real proof. And I think, you know, there's a lot of hacks and strategies to shortcut things. And I think the biggest shortcut to scale and grow your business is to do the work, to learn. So I didn't do that at first. I was making it up as I went. I was so proud of myself. I thought it was cutting edge. And and people were like, you're such a great entrepreneur. You're such a great young entrepreneur. The truth is, is that I had a lot of gumption. I had some discipline. But what I didn't have was the backbone of all the people that have come before me. And I didn't understand that most businesses, for the most part, are the same. We all share the same similar situations. You ask any entrepreneur that has a team, what's the hardest part of running a business? Every one of them is going to say, it's the people or it's HR or some form of that. And it doesn't matter if you're a trucking company or building widgets or a service company. It's the same thing. I mean, I love that Natasha mentions, like, make sure you're getting your advice from the right person. Everybody knows how to write an article, how to get more followers. Like, you just look up an article, how to get more followers. You grab some of those strategies, you put them into your article. It's different when you're hearing from somebody who has hundreds of thousands of followers, or it's different when you are hearing from someone like how to write a book who has written the book instead of someone saying, like, I think this stuff would work, but I've never written the book. So it's good if like mentorship is one of my preferred ways to learn stuff. Like I don't always, I'm not always working with a coach or anything to that degree, but if I want to learn something quick, I do go that short-term route where I am working with somebody and it just makes things go a lot quicker, especially if that person been there, done that, knows the different things to do and avoid. And if you've got someone like that, it is easier to build your authority because you know what you have to do. Like you could go to Natasha and say, I'm organizing an event. What do I do? And you're going to get someone who's done events with Google to help you with that. So there is a difference between seeking out people who they read it somewhere, they haven't done it versus someone who has been through the entire process and can guide you from start to finish. Mm -hmm. Also, one other thing is, Everyone has their own vantage point of their experience. So I'm a good bet because I've been in, bet, in business for over 20 years, but somebody else could have been in business in my same industry for three years. They'd have their experience and then my experience might be different and we might overlap a little bit, but so you can't just lay all of your eggs in one basket. You have to ask around and you have to build and mold and sculpt 
what the outcome is going to be. You can't just go with one person's opinion or experience. That goes to the idea of you want to build a network where even if you feel like you're locked in on a certain person, you want that person to be your coach or you feel like that person is the all knowing you want to build your network. Podcasting is one of my favorite ways to do it because you get to interview so many people and build so many relationships in just a few minutes. Uh, like, it's kind of, it's not to the same degree of events uh, because it's not the, like we're in the same room together, uh, like the same physical room, but something like a podcast interview or a phone call is going to do a lot better than just a string of emails back and forth. However you build your network, it's something you definitely have to do to grow. You could do that with events as well. And Natasha helps a lot of people with that. Natasha, I'm wondering if you could share with us some of the places we could follow your work and journey and see if, we need help with our event and just some strategies that like, where do we go to find everything you're doing? Sure. So if you want to know more about the events world, that's entireproductions.com. And then everything that I do as an entrepreneur separate from that is officialnatashamiller.com. Breakthrough success listeners. We will have those links in the show notes. You'll be able to see everything about Natasha's events. You'll be able to see everything outside of the event world that Natasha does as well. Make sure you check those out. Natasha, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today. Awesome. Thanks, Mark.